This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 102. Hi, I'm Clay Clark, author of Thrive, How to Take Control of Your Destiny and Move Beyond Surviving Now. You've taken a crucial first step by listening to this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. society often sees introverts as people who want to hide, who don't want to be seen or heard. And all of those images and then the words that accompany them make us small. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello and welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where I sit down with a successful and inspiring author each week. We talk about their latest book and their thoughts on things like leadership, personal development, productivity, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. In today's episode, we'll be chatting with Beth Bilo, who is the author of The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. Some of the things I'll be asking Beth about include some of the misconceptions society has about introverts, tips for communicating with the introverts in your life, the introvert's relationship with fear, and much more. If you're serious about taking a stand for your health, I want to encourage you to consider adding a motorized desk to your work or home office. That's what I've done, and I will never, ever go back to a regular old desk again. The great thing about a motorized desk, of course, is I can stand and sit as I need to throughout the day, and I'm not doing what so many studies today are telling us uh, we're doing when we're sitting down so often is is slowly killing ourselves. My recommendation is the power-up desk from the folks at Updesk. It's what I use, and I highly recommend it. You can find out more about it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash desk. Beth Bilo is a certified coach, a corporate trainer, and professional speaker. And since founding her company, The Introvert Entrepreneur, in 2010, along with her popular podcast of the same name, she's established herself as a go-to expert for introvert entrepreneurs around the world. She is also the author of the book, and I'm sensing a theme, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. Beth, how the heck are you? I'm great, and clearly I'm consistent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that about you. And uh, I've had no less than than two guests recommend Beth uh, be interviewed for this show. I want to say thanks to Erica Dewan uh, from Episode 72 for making the introduction uh, but not to be outdone, Rory Vaden came right behind her and said, you need to interview Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful to Erica and Rory. Yes, thank you to them. Um, two awesome people with awesome books. So um, it's great to be connected with you. Well, likewise, and I have never had that happen in 102 episodes of the podcast. And so so the bar is set pretty high. Uh, yeah, all right. no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. If this, is, if this doesn't go well, we know exactly who to blame, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Well, Beth, I know you have poured your heart into, into this book, uh, and it's uh, been a labor of love. So Introvert Entrepreneur, why was this book necessary in your view? What I've noticed as I've entered into the entrepreneurial realm is that there's there's something of a gap mm-hmm. in the information that's been available. At least there was when I started in 2010. Um, as I looked at 
various resources out there, whether they were books or blogs or podcasts, um, everything kind of, if not overtly, but, you know, subversively Mm. had kind of an extrovert bent. Um, You know, there's a lot of messages out there about, um, you know, bigger, better, faster, more, more, more. Mm. And and a lot of the um, emphasis on entrepreneurship has to do with your sales, you know, networking and sales. <laughs> and I was finding that a lot of the information just did not resonate. And I realized that part of that was because of, you know, among many things, of course, there are lots of factors that are involved. But among them were had to do with energy, you know, where mm-hmm. I gain, gain and drain my energy and, and being an introvert and having a certain response to those more extroverted messages. Messages, you know, I, I just wasn't fine. I, I didn't find what I was looking for. Um, and, and, and as I worked with clients, I realized that they weren't finding what they were looking for either. So it seemed like there was this perfect opportunity, this perfect um, opening in the universe to be able to step in and, and look at things from an introvert perspective and be able to speak to those who wanted to have a different way of approaching their business. And to that end, a lot of what's already out there is about the research and the statistics, and that's all well and good. But how is your book different in approaching this topic? Well, once I started looking at business and entrepreneurship through an introvert lens, I realized, you know, it wasn't, it's not a statistical exercise. Mm. You know, it's not an intellectual thing, but it's really a mind, body, spirit kind of perspective. Um, And I've always known that when I, I've always known I was going to write a book for one thing, but um, I always knew that it was going to be kind of conversational in tone. And since I'm a coach, it's very coachy in tone, (laughs) I have to admit. Um, You know, I'm not an academician or if I'm saying that right, um, or researcher, you know, although I love research, I wanted to create something that was very um, practical and could be something that you could refer to for not just information, but inspiration mm-hmm. that it would provide a, a grounding for you. And so since it's got that coaching perspective, it offers up questions and reflection and stories and invites the reader to come to some of their own conclusions. So there are plenty of resources and and timely resources. You know, a book is, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's already dated once you, once it's printed, right? Mm. <laughs> it's, and if you include <laughs> statistics and research, they're already out of date. Yeah. So, you know, I would encourage people to go to magazines and, and web and, you know, blog posts and podcasts and whatnot, if they want to stay current on those kinds of things. But I wanted to create something that was going to, you know, last mm. a while um, from that perspective. Yeah, sort of evergreen, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, as someone who, who does a bit of coaching, mostly in, in the podcasting uh, space, I have found a lot from the book that I can apply to, to what I'm doing. So, so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, what would you say are some of the misconceptions or misperceptions society perpetuates about, about entrepreneurs? Or I'm sorry, about introverts. <laughs> <laughs> and entrepreneurs to and some entrepreneurs. degree. But, <laughs> but I think introverts take the hit a yeah. little bit harder. <laughs> um, you know, as I said, you know, we I started this back in 2010. And so when I began, you know, I started 
wondering, you know, how are introverts being portrayed out mm. in the media? Um, what are the images? What are the words that are being used? I knew in my gut that there was a negative perception. You know, there's a little bit of suspicion about anyone who likes to be alone too much or is <laughs> a little bit more on the quiet side or only only, quote unquote, has like, you know, five friends instead of 50. Mm. And one of the first things I did was I went to iStock and started looking at stock photos and I typed in the word introvert. And of course, it immediately substituted it with shy. <laughs> and, and then it's like, did you mean shy? <laughs> and, and all of the images were of people hiding um, with bags over their heads, you mm. know, hiding behind books, um, looking downcast, looking depressed. Interesting. Um, and I think that that is really that's a reflection of how society often sees introverts as people who are who want to hide, um, who, who, who don't want to be seen or heard. Um, and all of those images and then the words that accompany them mm. make us small. You know, they, they, they diminish what it really means to be an introvert and they, they misconstrue what it means. Um, because as we've, we've come to know, and actually the information's been out there for a long time, but I think we're finally coming around to moving past the stereotypes into more of the truth, mm. which is that it's not about personality per se, um, it's about energy. It's about where you gain and drain your energy. And of course, that impacts how you show up socially. Um, but it's not part of the intrinsic definition. And what would you say then are the advantages to being an introvert or are there advantages? I think there are. And, you know, I, I, as I, I'm very sensitive as we're talking about introverts and extroverts and mm. advantages and disadvantages to be aware that it's not about compare, comparing mm. and, you know, this, this type is better than this type or this is good or this is bad. I like to think of them as simply different because yeah. they're all on a spectrum. And, and so with that spirit, you know, there are a few things that I do think that introverts can, that are strengths that they don't realize are strengths. Mm. Um, you know, one of them is that they are internal processors, and that often means that they are taking in information and connecting dots that other people might not see because they're busy trying to absorb a lot of stuff and um, allowing overstimulation to kind of take over. And instead, an introvert is going to take information and then step away from all of that stimulation and see where they can, you know, put it together in a way that maybe somebody hasn't thought of before. And that is a, I think, is a powerful skill mm. and trait when it comes to especially to innovation and imagination and being creative. And I think another piece that is important, whether you're for entrepreneurs and especially for leaders, mm. is something that I, I talk about in the book a few times, which is tying back to Jim, the work of Jim Collins mm -hmm. in his book, Good to Great. And he talks about level five leadership. So level five leaders are those that led the, the good to great companies. And the words that he uses to describe those leaders tends to be, they tend to be more um, introvert friendly words. Mm. <laughs> so being reflective, um, being working behind the scenes, being the plow horse as opposed to the show horse, um, deflecting credit mm. and um, taking taking responsibility. And one of the things that he talks about is the liability of charisma. 
when you have um, a larger than life leader, whether that's an entrepreneur leading a company or a leader within an organization, if there's any sort of cult of personality around that person or there's that perception that they are um, kind of infallible <laughs> and, and not approachable, mm. then that can lead to that liability of charisma where it, having that charisma actually works against you because people are less likely to come to you with the truth mm. or to challenge your thinking. And it's not that introverts don't show charisma. I don't want to, you know, make it sound like we are not charismatic, but our charisma is a little bit, um, it's different. It is maybe perhaps a little bit more reserved, a little more behind the scenes, a little more listening as opposed to talking. And, and that often creates an environment that's a little safer for people to approach that leader and say, I have a question about this, Mm. or I'm not so sure that this is the right way to go. Or I have another idea. Um, The energy of an introvert, if harnessed in a healthy way, can be something that is very receptive to those kinds of conversations and therefore helps you to avoid other problems that might come up because people don't speak up. You you hinted a bit at this propensity for uh, reflection. How, how can we tell the difference between what is true, sincere reflection and what might instead be uh, maybe um, what you, I think it's what you call paralysis analysis? Right, right. Yeah, introverts do tend to be introspective and reflective. And because of that, we, it can it can tip the scale into the unhealthy side of analysis or paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. um, where we're overthinking and overdoing something. I see the difference as sincere reflection is really coming from a place of power, of strength, and from love. So there's really a clear intention to find the truth, and there's a belief that whatever comes of that reflection is going to be useful. So it's it's coming from true curiosity, mm-hmm. like, like a comfort with not knowing what the answer is, rather than a struggle to try to find the perfect answer. And so to that end, I think of paralysis by analysis as being more fear-based. So it's going things, you know, it's going over thoughts over Mm -hmm. and over and over again and getting trapped in a need for perfection Mm -hmm. or attachment to a particular outcome. So one is more based in, you know, love and curiosity and the other is based more in kind of fear and playing around with the the hamster wheel a little bit more. And I want to dig into fear just a little bit. I want to, I want to kind of camp there for a moment. Um, there's this uh, point in the book, I think it's in chapter two, where you talk about the amount of fear we feel isn't directly related to whether we're an introvert or extrovert. Uh, you say what's different is our relationship to fear. What do you mean by that exactly? It has to do with how we absorb the information, how we absorb the fear. If I'm feeling fear about something in my business, I'm more likely to get on that hamster wheel <laughs> and turn it over and over and over again and and kind of get caught up in making stories up in my mind. And I was having a conversation with someone else a few days ago. And and he, uh, when I explained this to him, he said, oh, so it's like mold, you know, mold (laughs) grows in the dark, (laughs) right? And so when we keep those fears in the dark inside of us as introverts, they spread like mold, and Mm. it's really hard to get rid of it. Um, 
And so what the key is, and this is a place where I invite introverts to extrovert, you know, to learn to and, and get comfortable with projecting some of those thoughts outward. Because it's like mold, once you start to expose it to light, it shrinks. You know, you can start to, to deal with it. You see what you've got and you can chip away at it. There's this story in the book that uh, Beth shares about attending a conference where many of the speakers, sort of the, the common thread was this idea of being fearless, uh, hinting at the idea that you could slay these fears once and for all. Uh, but Beth, you talk about the flaw of being fearless. Uh, share a bit about that and what you mean by that. One of my favorite books and one of the ones that I think I think I can trace it back to being the first self-help book I read was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway hmm. by Susan Jeffers. And it's an oldie but a goodie. And what that book did was it gave me, it gave the reader permission to feel fear. It said, feeling fear is not a bad thing. It is not a sign of weakness. Um, it's part of being human. <laughs> <laughs> and fear has valuable information for us. Mm. It tells us about what's important to us. Um, it might be, it might be a red flag to something and saying, Hey, pay attention. You know, there's, there might be danger ahead, but it doesn't mean don't proceed. Um, so, it, so when we're, if we're told to be fearless, it's negating something that's very important about our journey and about the human condition, because it's simply a natural part of being alive. And it's, inevitable if you're going to be doing something extraordinary and even if you're going to be doing something ordinary but it's new you know to you and so saying fearless doesn't honor that very human emotion mm. uh, you lay out the the fuds uh, uh fear <laughs> uncertainty doubts fuds i guess we would call them yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh talk about identifying those uh how to go about that and what steps we can take to transform them into useful information yeah, I think you, you what you want to do is notice where your thoughts are falling into assumptions and limiting beliefs. And, you know, those fears, you can you can start to put a, a name on them, such as that's an assumption. I'm assuming that if I charge too much, no one will want my services, for instance. When you hear yourself making those kinds of assumptions, and in the book, I offer, you know, a few kind of key words and phrases that you might find popping up in your thoughts and in your speech that will help to identify those fears. When you start to hear them, that's an opportunity to challenge them. And I like to turn to a very simple question that Byron Katie um, introduced to us in her book, Loving What Is, which is simply, what's true? I find time and time again, anytime I ask that of my clients, anytime they ask that of, the, of themselves, it's like, a, it's like a light bulb goes off. <laughs> and they say, oh, okay, it, it's not so much that maybe it's not true, but it, it challenges it to the point where they can say, okay, is it true or is it not true? And if it is true, what am I going to do about that? If it's not true, then I can look at it, decide, okay, what's useful, what's not, what can I take away from that? What is true? Mm. 
what evidence is there that can um, re- support or refute that thought? So it's a lot of it is about checking for what's true. And then a lot of it is also discerning when it comes to those fears, whether you're feeling fear or discomfort. There's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. There's a difference. You know, fear is about fight or flight in many instances. And we've come to take that word and used it very generally. Like I have lots of fears and it's like, really, do you have a lot of fight or flight responses (laughs) or are you really, is it really about feeling discomfort or uncomfortable because you're about to do something that's going to stretch um, or take you, you know, outside of your comfort zone. And for me, Saying that I'm afraid of something is has a lot more power than saying it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, making me uncomfortable feels more like something that I can work through, something I can change. It's a little less scary. So really asking yourself, am I really afraid of this or is it more about feeling discomfort? Was it discomfort for you personally when you think about things like um, networking? Uh, do you find that that's the, often the case with other introverts too? It's really not fear. They may think of it that way, but it's really right. when it comes down to it, it's more of a discomfort than anything else. Absolutely. And networking is a great example of that. Um, we say we're afraid that we're not going to know what to say or that we <laughs> won't know how to introduce ourselves or that people won't want to talk to us or that we're bothering people. When really, as you say, it's more about a discomfort with the situation because it's it's not our natural habitat. <laughs> and anytime you're outside of your natural habitat, it might be a little uncomfortable. And people, even extroverts, might feel uncomfortable in networking situations. The key is to remember that a lot of it has to do with skills and mindset. So if you can change your mindset and then figure out what skills you need to cultivate, then you realize that it doesn't matter introvert or extrovert. Anybody can be a, you know, a superstar networker. Mm. Um, You just have to get through that idea that it's not about Unless it truly is about fear, it's not about fear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to be uh, an entrepreneur without uh, sales coming into the equation. But what would right. you say to someone who says, I, but, you know, but I'm not a salesperson. In fact, there's a there's a chapter you title that, I think. <laughs> yeah, especially for introverts to remember that sales is really about connecting a person who has a problem with a solution that you have to offer. Mm. Or even if you want to take it even broader and generalize it, you can say connecting a person with a solution. It may or may not be what you have to offer. And so you can go into it with a feeling of curiosity, with a lot of questions, a willingness to listen, and an intention to find the best solution for that person. If it ends up being what you have to offer, that's fabulous. And you're, it's it's going to resonate and you will make a connection. If it turns out not to be what you have to offer, that's okay too. Because chances are, especially if you've done your homework and you've networked with your peers, you're going to be a superstar in that person's eyes because you're going to be able to say, you know, I don't think what I have to offer is a good fit, but I do know somebody mm. who has an offering that might be good for you? Would you like for me to make an introduction or would, can I give you their name and you can look into it for yourself? Um, people will think just as highly of you or even more highly of you if you're sharing a resource with them that improves their lives. So to remember that it's a conversation and that it's about listening and it's about curiosity and it's about for the, for the introvert entrepreneur, For any entrepreneur, it's a responsibility. Like, you know, I have something to offer that can help ease someone else's pain. 
if I keep that to myself, if I don't share it, then I'm missing an opportunity and I'm not fulfilling my responsibility. I'm denying them of something mm-hmm. and I'm denying them the opportunity to say yes or no. I'm making up my mind for them. I've been in situations a number of times where I've, I've met with a potential client and realized that for whatever reason, uh, it's maybe not quite the right fit and have found a lot of a lot of value in a lot of success in you know admitting that and referring them elsewhere and even though that may mean deferring some income or losing some income in the process in the long run I've always found that to be the right move uh, when I'm honest about what I can do versus what they need yes absolutely well what can uh, introverts learn about Beth celebrating wins why is that important We've probably heard the expression that building a business is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and a marathon can be kind of a thankless task because it goes <laughs> on and on and on, right? Yeah, and, exactly. and you don't get to celebrate along the way unless you make a choice to say at each milestone, at each mile marker, I'm going to celebrate. And I think it's important for introverts to recognize that, yes, it's a marathon. And if you're going to stay motivated, if you're going to remember like why you are doing what you're doing, it's important to to acknowledge yourself. And that's one of my favorite questions to ask my clients, which is, what do you want to acknowledge yourself for? (laughs) Because they can forget to say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, to give myself credit and to say, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it that way a year ago. And I'm, and I'm proud of myself for doing that way. And we can often get so entrenched in what we're doing, and especially introverts, if we're internalizing it all, that we don't notice the progress that we're making. We, don't, we aren't aware of the growth and evolution. So it's important to be able to step back every once in a while and be able to say, you know, I don't have to wait until I cross the finish line to celebrate. I can acknowledge these little wins that go along the way. And to be able to externalize those wins in those small wins is a way of making those wins public Mm -hmm. that is not Mm self-promotional. It's more about I just I just finished this chapter in my book and I'm so excited. I want you to celebrate with me. It's not a, a braggy look at me and how awesome I am. It's saying I, I, you know, I, I set a goal for myself and I met it and I know that you, you, my supporters are excited for me and want to see me succeed. So I want to share this with you. And that helps build community. It helps you to connect with people and it helps you feel less alone as you're going and remembering, yeah, I am doing something really extraordinary here. I found that to be very, very true. And, and like you, I've tried to, to be sure to point out sometimes specific individuals who have been a part of helping make it happen. And mm-hmm. it becomes this joint celebration. It's not bragging. It's not, hey, look at me. It's, it's, it's more of, if anything else, hey, look at who helped me make this possible. Let's celebrate yes. that kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons one of the chapters is called It Takes a Village, because you can't do it by yourself, mm. um, as much as we would probably love to. <laughs> we need the people around us. And, and celebrating those wins is definitely an opportunity to bring into um, consciousness and shine the light on other people who are part of your journey. Well, I've jumped around a bit. I do want to ask some questions not directly related to the book, Beth. But before I do that, is there anything else you want to make sure we know about? I think mainly that, you know, my intention for the book 
is for the reader to find at least one idea or story that changes their perspective or that helps them to understand and honor their introvert energy. Um, I talk a lot about creating a sustainable business because I think being a fake extrovert (laughs) or not honoring your introvert energy is going to cause burnout. And so my hope is that I can help and support introvert entrepreneurs in building something that is going to be sustainable. So everything in the book is kind of is geared to that end. And uh, my hope is, yeah, that you that you take away at least one thing that stays with you even years later, because when I think about the books that have meant the most to me, sometimes it just boils down to one phrase or one quote. And um, and that's a gift. So I hope that um, that that other people find that gift for themselves in the book. You know, I, I wish more people read more, and that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, you know, uh, 20 bucks is a pretty good investment. If you get one great idea from a book, that was well exactly. worth the 20 bucks. You know? Exactly. And if you think about hiring those folks for their wisdom, oh yeah, uh, uh, the, the $20 is uh, pennies. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't let you go without talking about books. And I would, yeah. I would love if you could name for us a couple of books that you've read in the past, or maybe books you're currently reading that have impacted you and share, if you can, uh, how or why they impacted you as, as they have or as they did. Yeah. Well, the first one I have to name is Please Understand Me um, by Kiersey and Bates. It was the first book that I picked up that had the definition of introvert in it. And uh, once I found out my type, which is an INFJ, mm. um, and I won't go into what all that means, but I trust that if anyone's <laughs> curious, they can look it up and use Please Understand Me. Um, it really explained a lot about myself and um, I think was a real turning point in the journey. Um, as I mentioned before, Good to Great has been a huge influence. Um, even though it was published some 14 years ago, um, and I believe it's still in hardback. I don't know that it's mm. gone to paperback yet, which is a kind of a testament to yeah. its, its, its evergreenness, even though I'm sure things have changed and maybe some of those great companies aren't so great anymore, you know, who knows. But, but the principles of what he found and outlined, I have used Constantly, I used them when I was working in the nonprofit sector, and I use them now. I find myself constantly referring back to them. Um, when it comes to having that mind, body, spirit connection with my with my business, and mm-hmm. speaking to the heart of the you know the part of me that wants to always approach my work from a place of compassion and grace, um, I love anything by Anne Lamott or mm-hmm. Harold Kushner. Um, they're both writers that really resonate with me, and um, remind me about, you know, really what's most important. And then from a business perspective, the last one I want to mention is um, another one I constantly come back to, which is Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. (laughs) I think every entrepreneur on the planet needs to read this book because it will transform the way you tell your story, um, the the language you use, the, the way you frame things, and will make you, you know, much more influential and um, much more able to move people. Um, you know, to touch their hearts and minds. You mentioned several authors uh, who we hope to have on the show someday. Uh, Excellent. Uh, Jim, Jim Collins being being one of those. Uh, that book was was very influential uh, and had an impact on me. 
back when it came out. It was one of those early books that kind of renewed my love for reading. I'd kind of left mm-hmm. that part of my life behind and reading was homework and a chore. And it was like, oh, good. I don't have to do that anymore because I'm not in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what's awesome about that book is, you know, we started out talking about research and statistics and mm. it's very research and statistic oriented. And mm. yet it tells a true story. You know, it, it's yeah. written in a very accessible um, and sticky, to go back to made to stick, way. Yeah. Um, so it really is a shining example, I think, of how to combine those two worlds for a greater impact. Another question I ask a lot of guests, and I definitely want to ask it of you, is related to, to giving a public talk. And I'd be curious to know what you see as some of the challenges for introverts in that area specifically, and, and maybe share some tips you have for delivering an impactful and, and memorable public talk, as, as, I, as I know you do a fair amount of that. Yeah. I think the challenge for introverts is that um, if they think it's a challenge, that that's mostly in their head, mm. um, as it is for most people, that, that public speaking is, it, it can trigger that fight or flight response. Because it's very, you know, we have a primal response to being one person in front of many. Because, you know, back in the in the dark ages, that meant, okay, you were probably going to be chased and killed. <laughs> <laughs> and something in our brains remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's natural to, you know, feel a little bit of fear, feel, you know, some discomfort and feel challenged by that. But I think for introverts, it's actually an extraordinary um, platform mm. for them. If they're able to claim it because it's one to many, it is an efficient way to communicate with a lot of people. One to one can be very exhausting. Mm. Um, it's one reason I love the podcast because I can, you know, have one conversation, post it and reach a lot of people mm. in a very efficient and effective manner and on their own terms. It allows us to prepare you know, typically one hopes <laughs> before you have to get up in front of a group of people that you've had some, you've had a heads up. And, and we, you know, as introverts, we don't have to fight for the floor. You know, we've been given the floor. Right. It's an opportunity to be able to share what your message is without having to kind of jockey for a position among other people who are also trying to get their say in. So public speaking can really be a powerful tool in the introvert entrepreneur's toolbox. The thing that I want to remember most when I'm giving a talk is to meet people where they're at. It can be so tempting, especially if you're a research-loving introvert, to think that you have to tell the audience everything you know. (laughs) Every cool fact, every quote, every story, every piece of every tip that you can squeeze in there. And instead, and and I wish I could take credit for this and I and I wish I could remember who to give credit to, but I remember reading somewhere that it's more important to tell them what they want to hear mm. rather than what you want to tell them. Mm. Which requires you putting yourself in their shoes and saying, what is most important to this audience? What are they hoping that I share with them? And then focusing your message on that. And when I say focusing, I really do mean focusing. (laughs) And just like, you know, we learn in writing, there's that expression, I think it's what, kill your darlings. Um, Mm. We get get attached to phrases, stories, information, facts, statistics, um, all of those kinds of things. We, We fall in love with them. 
that's true in writing and it's true in presentations. And those are the prime places to look and say, it's sharing that piece of information or that story in service to my audience. Mm. Or is it more about me feeling like I'm going to be clever <laughs> or that I'm going to look good? Right. So <laughs> right, right. who is this, who is this in service to? Mm. So that's the, that is one of the things that I think is, is most important because people want to be seen and heard. So if you meet the audience where they're at, if you meet your listener where they're at, they are going to feel seen and heard. And therefore, you're going to have a stronger connection with them naturally because they're going to say, oh, this person gets me. That's one of my challenges to a lot of, of podcasters I coach, particularly those doing interview-based podcasts, is is oftentimes uh, they want to talk as much as their guest does. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I have to admit, sometimes I feel like I can be guilty of that myself. <laughs> it's, it's so tempting. And I, and I will hang up the phone or, you know, I'll, I'll finish the podcast and I'll think, ah, I talk too much. <laughs> so it's, you know, awareness is the first step, right? Yeah. Admitting it is the first step to recovery. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I, I have caught myself several times wanting to comment on things that you have said and then sort of pausing in my mind and going, is that really to serve me or to make me look good? Or is that really yes. to serve the audience? And so I'll catch myself sometimes in interviews getting ready to go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. It apply, that, that principle applies in so many different situations. Mm. Well, I want to ask too, to those whose lives you've been able to, to impact, which is a lot of people and hopefully more after this interview, uh, family, friends, colleagues, clients, at the end of the day, what do you hope to be remembered for the most? That at some point we had a conversation or we had an interaction where they felt like they were seen and heard, where they felt like I held a mirror up to them and mm. showed them their best self, um, you know, reminded them of something good and powerful within them and that that made them feel like they could walk away feeling more empowered and compassionate with themselves um, that they understand themselves a little bit better, not because I imparted some sort of wisdom, but that I helped to um, reflect back something that was already in them that maybe they weren't seeing. Mm. That would, you know, anytime that happens in coaching or in friendships or any relationship, it's, it feels like it's the most important thing that, that can happen in that, in that moment. Well, remind me, uh, Beth, of the official launch date. Is it early November? It's November 3rd. November 3rd. Okay. Election okay. day. Election yes, day. For yeah. Election day. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and, and how long has it been um, uh, complete? Or in other words, when did you turn it into your publisher officially? December 17th, 2014. Okay. So a little less than a year ago. Well, I, I asked that because I figured it had probably been a while. I think that's sometimes something that, that uh, people don't realize. And mm -hmm. so in light of that, I think it's fair to ask this question. Uh, what is next on the horizon? One of the things that was important to me in writing this book is that it didn't just become, a, you know, a, a dead tree sitting on a shelf <laughs> collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be a living, breathing or, you know, evolving tool. Mm. So to that end, we're creating an online course that oh, okay. expands on each chapter. Um, it picks up um, 
items that were left on the cutting room floor, mm. <laughs> which is an expression that probably someday is going to be obsolete, but there are enough around <laughs> a, enough of us that remember what that means. So, right. um, you know, picking up the pieces that were, you know, still valuable, but there wasn't quite room for and give and being able to build community around it. It, mm. it might seem like a, a contradictory thing to bring together introvert entrepreneurs and community because don't we like our independence and to be alone. But at the same time, mm. we find um, strength in connecting with other people who are experiencing the journey in a similar way so we can learn from each other. So my intention with that online course is to expand and build on and update, you know, a lot of the information that's in the book, as well as be a forum for bringing um, introvert entrepreneurs together. And I I hope to, you know, I'm planning some new presentations that are stemming out of the book, as well Mm. as looking forward to really growing and, um, playing with the podcast because it's just so much fun. Well, I'm delighted to have had uh, many, many former Read to Lead guests come out of the woodwork and say, Jeff, you have got to connect with Beth Bilo. I'm so glad that I did. Beth, thank you for your time and for for sharing with us your insights. Uh, We'll link up to obviously your book and all the other resources you referenced in the show notes and are happy to do so and uh, just wish nothing but the best for you. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I encourage you to reach out to Beth on Twitter. She's the introvert coach on Twitter. That's at introvert coach. I'll link to not only that, but also her LinkedIn profile too on the show notes page for today's episode. Should you like to connect with Beth? That's also where you'll find the link to her book and all the other books and resources that Beth and I chatted about. The show notes page for today's episode can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash 102 for episode 102. When you find yourself in the market for your next desk, remember the folks at Updesk. You can visit them at readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash desk. I want to say a special thanks to Mike Chan, who has his own podcast launching soon. He's rated and reviewed the Read to Lead podcast in iTunes with five stars and calls it an awesome listen. Thank you, Mike. Also, James Carberry gives it five stars and calls it a really great show. Thank you so much, James. If you'd like to rate and review the podcast in iTunes, readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes to do that. We appreciate it very much. It helps get the show noticed and recognized and in front of folks who might not have otherwise found it. You can also rate and review it on Stitcher, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. If you think it's five-star worthy, we'll mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a way to say thanks. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 